welcome to episode four of Gale Boys. Uh, I am Liam, as again hosted with the wonderful co-host Jordan. And uh, oh. right off the bat, I'm just going to tell everyone this episode is going to be really fucking disgusting. Uh, in terms of a certain topic that we're <laughs> going to get into. <laughs> but uh, before yeah, we... This is... Uh... This has been a running joke for a while. Like we've always uh, like nod and wink to the audience about doing this, but finally we're uh, we're getting to it. Yep. Uh, but before we jump into um, that, uh, I really want to bring up a couple things. This is kind of our week, our our, our update in the world that we live in. Uh, Bolsonaro no longer uh, prime minister of Brazil after a very contested election. Uh, and it seems to be, I don't think his supporters are taking it well, if, uh, the things I've seen are anything to go by. Yeah, he, uh, it was very narrow loss. He lost by, like, two million votes, which is, uh, very, uh, scary if you live in Brazil, like... Oh, man. Like, fucking, uh, like, elections live or die by those types of margins, and, uh, yeah. But I'm just glad he's gone. I think... I think he's like the first president in Brazilian history to like lose re-election, which is even more embarrassing. I I, uh, I don't know yeah, if he's gonna. Bolsonaro's done. I don't think he's gonna leave that easily because I I've read that he's not conceding and his supporters are like causing roadblocks right now. That's what I've read. That's just the most recent update I have. I don't think someone like that goes easily without a little bit of a fight i don't think he'll i don't know if he'll go full military coup but i mean his supporters are pretty they're in a pretty dark place right now so wouldn't shock me if uh, one of them decides yeah, to. yeah you're just going twitter and it's it's this like uh trying wojak montages that's uh that's been his fans for the last two days yeah but, I... uh, yeah he'll probably jack his heels the sooner or later he'll have to leave. Like, the US isn't coming to fucking... Uh, I think if Trump was still in charge, maybe we'd have, like, a attempts at a coup, but I think Biden doesn't have the, uh, have the sauce for it. No. He's not, uh, I mean, he's he, really not as, as you said, he's not going to have a, any Che Guevara moment, and he's not really a kind of guy who would have a Che Guevara moment, even if the it, the opportunity comes to him. No, no, I've, I've said it before, but I think he's done. He'll he'll drag his heels but he's he's gonna go sooner or later like uh even if even if he did win there is so much like baggage around him it's it's become like it's the same for like israel uh america's support for israel there's just like increasingly mountains of baggage to the point where it's just the uh like, it, it just becomes too fucking uh, difficult to start, like, defending that shit. Oh, God, I can't even, I mean, how many, you know, after uh, after the 10th the bloody raid on the favelas, you're like, okay, maybe this guy is uh, not, not particularly the right person to be holding public office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, like, the US has a history of backing fucking... Ex-military dictators. Oh, is it, yeah. Is... I, I feel like, I feel like that was like the end of history, kind of a stop to that. Like as soon as Manuel Noriega got dragged out, that feels like America should just stop doing that. But apparently not. Oh man, I love uh, his his life story is incredible. Go from drug kingpin to president of your country to a full-on civil war, then you try to sue Call of Duty and lose. 
Uh, and, oh, that's yeah, fucking. Uh, I still haven't played that, but I know uh, Oliver North is like a plays himself as an NPC, which must be doubly embarrassing. Wow, are you fuck really? Yeah, the whole fucking Oliver North thing is uh, is interesting because he goes from like top military brass to fucking spending a month in jail for Iran Contra, and now he's just like he just hangs around. Like I know he's supposed to be, like I think he was president of the uh, NRA for a few years, and now he just like he'll just make appearances in video games because he has nothing better to do, I suppose. <laughs> wow, oh that's. That's funny. I just because you know there, there's always those those moments like man, Call of Duty's just a just at this point the new America's Army that video game that was just a recruitment tool. Then you hear that you're like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I know in a Modern Warfare two it starts with fucking like you're trying to blow up some Iranian general, which is like <laughs> I don't I don't even think in like the original Call of Duties you you did that. It's fucked up because Trump like, did that. <laughs> exactly. Like fucking, are you really fucking going back to that? Oh. Are you really going to fucking remind everybody that Trump uh, uh, almost started a war over this shit? <laughs> yeah, but uh, speaking of uh, American politics, uh, another story we must bring up while the iron is hot. Uh, Paul Pelosi was almost brutally murdered in his own home by a fucking dude who has probably into QAnon. I, I know I've been reading that he wrote a bunch of like review, like the last thing he did before he was a free <laughs> man was write a review for black Adam, which is like, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's funny being like almost assassinated, uh, fucking Mishima style by some just dumb Pepe guy. Like I read his black Adam review and it's just like <laughs> page after page of the dumbest shit I've ever read. All I can say is, uh, if if you're a wannabe assassin, and you can't kill an 82 year old man with a hammer, <laughs> you 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 failed. You need to find another line of work. Yeah, I know the QAnon guys have just disavowed him. They think he's like fake and gay, which is uh, which is like that's what always happens now. Whenever some like, QAnon cycle goes on a rampage, they just immediately disavowed to some uh, deep. State psyop. I mean, is, uh, it's easier than like you know. It's just easier because it's you know we if we have to if we acknowledge that we are pro this guy going into Paul Pelosi's house in and trying to kill him, then we're seen as a terrorist network, and we can't make money off that. No, no, it's a, the same thing happened to that uh, that guy with the nail gun that tried to attack this fucking uh, FBI. Like, the exact same thing happened. Oh, that was so sad. That whole, like, I'm going to attack <laughs> the FBI with a nail gun. Like, god damn it. Yeah. You're a QAnon psycho. You should be able to get a fucking gun. You live in America, for god's sakes. Yeah, it's like... I feel like the most successful assassination of the last few years was uh, Shinzo Abe. Some, like, disgruntled Japanese Zimmer killed him with a potato gun. Uh, and now we're just loving in the yeah. fucking... Uh, the dregs of that. That was, uh, I think, the other one for for uh, one of my other favorites, at least for QAnon assassins, was that guy who killed uh, the mob boss. Almost started a full gang war in New York, <laughs> and then they all found out it was just some lunatic, and they're like, "Okay, let's all cool down." And he didn't even go to jail. He was like found not competent to stand trial. Yeah, I can imagine if you're creating some like one man war punisher style against uh, the mafia for just the dumbest reasons, then. Uh... 
I don't think you're uh, fit to stand trial. It's, yeah. uh, oh man. Speaking, I, I really want to see like a like a cure or punish or reboot. Oh man. Just, uh, oh um, man, and it, it's like it'd be like uh, it'd be like a horror movie where some dude's just going around murdering people. It'd be like Seven mixed with um, I don't know the Parallax view or something. <laughs> Some psycho running yeah, around of, uh, murdering politicians. Yeah, instead of the uh, Punisher skull, it's just uh, a big cue on his chest as he uh, goes around fighting the deep set. Oh. The, uh, you know, we're, we're probably uh, uh, two years out from a movie like that actually getting made. Give it time. I'm surprised we haven't already, because, like, Incel was sort of the new big thing now, so... They've been the big thing for a long time. Like, not just, like, re like they've been around forever. But I think, like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like that, that van attack here in Sharano kind of, like, made them cool off. Because when you get too hot, when your movement gets too hot, you have to cool down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine on Twitter who um, studies, like, college down south, some, uh, like, counter-terrorism guy came to his, uh, came to his class. And started talking about incels and how they're the uh, they're the new face of terror. Everyone has to take seriously. Okay, anyone in counter terrorism, I take everything they say with a very strong grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, between... like I'm convinced the fucking uh, like I'm convinced all this like, like the Pope Pelosi assassin is like domestic radio. Like the CIA is ginning up fucking the most rabid people they can to fucking. Uh, to fucking swoop in at the last minute and uh because that's what they fucking um the FBI's been doing after like eleven. Oh yeah, I mean they've been known they for just find the like the most loyal IQ fucking Muslim and like gin them up to fucking carry out some terrorist attack and, and then they swoop in at the last minute. Oh yeah, they're still sort of justify all the money they spend. On uh, looking into uh, play people like that, it's like, all right, well, we gotta we gotta get something out of this, so let's let's edge him into doing it, and then we can arrest him, and then we're seen as the heroes. Yeah, yeah, like that's always been part of the course, and we're going to talk about gradual later on as part of the uh, the two movies we're talking about. Oh, it's uh, we. I have but, like yeah, glad the I... fucking like Nazi community is. It's always been up to shit like that. Oh, yeah, no, especially with, um, I know, uh, so we may as well just uh, pull the pin on this and get into it. Uh, we're actually covering two films for very, uh, for, for reasons I think that they they both, I didn't think they would, but they tend to complement each other very well. Um, but we're first going to talk about uh, one of the sickest movies ever made, uh, Piero Pasolini's uh, Sallow or The 120 Days of Sodom. Uh, his final film uh, before his uh, his brutal murder. I think he I think he was killed like literally after finishing principal photography. He was he was killed or sometime around post production. Yeah, it was. Uh, he died like three weeks before the film actually came out, which is very uh, which is very like eyes wide open emoji. Like we're we're gonna talk about it in the second film, but I'm still convinced that like. The accursed deep state got him. Oh, uh, absolutely. Especially when we get into like why, like, because it's it being called sallow isn't just a term. There is some really strong connotations to it, and that's 
kind of the thing that's so interesting about this movie is that it has this reputation of being this depraved, long-winded, like, nightmare fuel of a movie. And even if you've never heard of Pasolini, you've probably heard of this movie in some circles. Yeah, it's, it's up there with, uh, with, like, a Serbian film and a bunch of others. It's, like, these taboo movies that, like, like... I've only ever seen this film twice, and uh, I was 16 when I first watched it. And up until that point, there was like, it's, it was probably the grossest movie I'd, I'd ever seen. Like, if you if you watch Salo, some of that shit just stays with you. Oh yeah. Up. So this is actually my oh. third viewing. I saw it years ago, like when I was in high school, and I didn't know anything about what it was supposed to be about or like where the it comes from. So I just thought like this is just full on exploitation horror. And then I watched it again like a decade later with a little like then I realized like when I learned more about who Pasolini was and like his writing and his philosophy, then I'm like, oh, this movie's starting to make more sense. And then I watched it a third time, and it's it's really clicked with me. Like I'm like I I fully get what he was going for with this thing. Yeah, it's uh I know it's like loosely based on real events. Like Salo was a real place in Italy where uh, Mussolini had his like second fascist republic set up after he was uh after he was busted or killed by the Nazis, which is uh I I feel like into his prison break with fucking Otto Scorsese, it's like one of the most insane things I've ever read about, like, the fucking SS looks into his, uh, his prison, there's, like, hotel turned prison on paragliders and bust him out. It's fucking wild. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the things that, the things that other fucking lunatics will do to help other lunatics is, uh, incredible. But, uh, yeah, this, so, the thing about this movie that, uh, the thing is, if you... If you watch this and, you know, you'll, you'll, when you watch this film, you will notice it is full on. It is a full on, like, rape, torture, murder, bloodshed. Like, it is just a full on hellscape of a movie. But it's also, but one of the things that I think makes it interesting is there's an actual point to all that bloodshed. This isn't like a Serbian film or like your Cannibal Holocaust where it is just this, like, it's it's shock for the sake of shock. There is a message to this movie. Yeah, Pasolini's always been a, even in like his more esoteric films, uh, there's a reason to it. But um, Pasolini as a character is interesting because his like, oh his weird family dynamics are kind of fucked up. Like his dad was in uh, was in like Mussolini's early fascist militias before they took over, so he was like a full-on fucking fascist, and his mum was like some, uh, was like trying to stay apolitical, but always wound up getting dragged into her, into her husband's fucked up politics. And Pasolini himself is, uh, was like a full-on Marxist. He used to give, uh, lectures in between films, talking about like Gramsci and stuff. So having this, like, this weird family dynamic of like the dad's a fascist and the son's a gay Marxist is very uh, is very interesting. And I think I think a lot of his uh, his father issues really played into this movie and like its depiction of of fascist Italy and sadism is like like the so the thing about this film that I find immediately fascinating is the way that he portrays fascism as sadism. 
Like there is to to him, the idea of fascist politics is just sexual sadism. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, you have the four uh, the four fucking um, I keep forgetting what they're called. Like uh, the four fucking uh, oh gosh, what are they called again? They have some like they have some like dumb fucking uh, code names, but uh, yeah, you have like the four fascist overlords, which basically just scoop up kids at random and fuck with them for half a year and with like facing zero consequences that's what i do enjoy about this movie is there's no real catharsis at the end just like most of those kids wound up dead and and nothing comes off oh i i have it here uh because i love what he this is what i love about how unsubtle this movie is because i mean you even if you like the the politics of this movie are so like in your face full on because the 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 sadist masters of the film are called the duke the bishop the man the magistrate and the president one of my favorite scenes from the movie is when uh three of the four fascists are getting married they're all dressed up in wedding dresses getting married off to their fascist bodyguards and i think it's the bishop is dressed up in this satanic pagan outfits just well everyone's forced to crap over it like man just the just the slow escalation from like like horror to comedy back to horror again is uh is so fucking weird the whole movie is like that that's the thing too it's like when whenever there's these messed up scenes of torture rape and horror there's also like they like these these sick psychos who are like holding these kids hostage also like love the theatrics like there's the famous scene of them in the courtyard doing like the can-can dance holding hands yeah, yeah. but then there's also like several other scenes where like they have them like they have like these i can't remember the exact scene but it's like two girls are play acting something and it's like it's so yeah, direct and what they're saying like yeah, it's, uh, I think it's during the marriage scene, because yeah. all the uh, victims are supposed to crap and cheer at this at this big dramatic marriage, but they're all just miserable for obvious reasons. Well, yeah, even the... these two, uh, these two, I think they're like, there's like four male uh, antagonists, and then there's four like female collaborators or something who are supposed to be like mistresses. Yeah, I mean that's. Which is... The movie's not exactly clear on that, at least, like, at least I didn't get it on my viewing. But even, like, even there's, like, that, even the, the infamous scene where everyone's eating shit, it's played for laughs, mm. most of it. Like, there's that great scene where it's, like, does it taste good? And then the guy just puts his fingers in his mouth and makes, like, a smile motion. Yeah, uh, can you eat rice? No, yeah. can eat shit. Yeah, <laughs> Or when they're it's prepping, nice. they're prepping the dinner, and all the guards are forced to like sit on a porta potty, and the other guards have to collect it, and they're all looking at each other like, "What the fuck are we doing? Why are we doing this?" Yeah, you can tell like most of the Malosha men are just there because they're told to be there. I think like the four ones that get married off are having fun, but the rest of them are just there because they're told to. Yeah, they, is, they, yeah. they expected to, like, guard some rich people. They didn't expect we would be helping them play out the sick fan these sick fantasies they have. No, no, you could tell, like, like, there's better than getting killed by Americans in Tobruk or whatever. Yeah, oh, man. I think technically the same year this is going on, like, the Americans are 
just on Mussolini's doorstep. So this there's is... a lot of um, you don't see, you don't really see a lot of World War Two in this, but it is omnipresent. Oh yeah, like any war film, be it a, po- a political film or even like comedies or dramas, that's always in the background. And uh, I think it's set in '44. I think that's when the movie's set. Because, uh, yeah, this is like right near the end of uh, at least Italy's term time during that war. Because, yeah, Mussolini had to run off and made Salo basically a German uh, uh, secret state. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that Salo is a. I can't remember the exact name of it. It's like the Second Social Republic or some shit. Like, he basically turns Salo into a fucking, like his den of pleasure for a month before the, uh, the communist partisans had him and his mistress strung up. Well, that, that those is, those uh... pictures are insane, too. Like, I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen the aftermath of them. They literally Marie antoinette him. They dragged him yeah, off his yeah. fucking throne and fucking hanged him in the street. It was... It, it's wild. It's, um... And, uh... But what, the other thing I love, too, is, uh... Again, like how this movie, because we were talking about the wedding scene, which is fucking hysterical. But then right after that's the circle of blood, which is one of the more infamous scenes of the movie when fascist guys decide, all right, the only taboo we have left to break now is murder. So we got to start murdering people. Uh, throughout the movie, uh, the fascists keep this little black book. And if you don't play ball for any reason, like... Before the shit scene, they make all the victims like defecate into pots, and if you don't do it properly, your name goes in the book. And then at the end, like they take you on the back and just torture you to death. Yeah, that that, that black book um, is it's it's in almost every scene, and it, you know what? I kept thinking Jeffrey Epstein when I when I saw that. And I know that probably that's just because yeah, you yeah. know everyone making you know, black books a meme now, but like there's something yeah. about sick freaks in black books. I- they just love cataloging names and keeping them close. Because the funny thing about Epstein's black book is, it's like it's like the Necronomicon. If any names get out, it's it's gonna be Armageddon. Because like we've we've talked about this before, but like if you're on the Epstein flight logs, fine. You're just like hitching a ride like Matt Groening or whatever. But if you're in his black book, then yeah, like that, yeah, we have questions. Into yeah, into some salvo shit yourself. Because yeah, I think if yeah, and that's kind of the thing about this movie is that it is sort of a uh, this is uh, probably why Pasolini got in so much trouble because there is this like he it, there like even though Salo is like we want to believe it is just this sick fucked up movie that has no real like it's just shock value. People like this exists. There are people rich enough and powerful enough that just say fuck it. Like we can we can do whatever we want and no one's really gonna stop us, so fuck it. Yeah, this it's remarkable how very little was changed from like the nineteen forties and we probably have America to thank for that mm. because right after World War Two you have all the gradual shits where the CIA basically teams up with uh, the mafia and the Vatican to kneecap the communist movement in italy yeah. which is uh yeah i know we have i think it's Mussolini's granddaughter as a as an mep now so that's that yeah, is the, uh, i love how italy is just we talked about this but italy is just repeating its own history in a way that is genuinely concerning with their new prime minister one of her new members of her cabinet was caught wearing a fucking nazi armband it's like oh no 
we're just doing this yeah, again. These, yeah, these these people never really go away. They just like like it was Salvini last year. He had his fun for a few minutes. Now it's someone who's somehow worse. Like and we've joked before, but it's just like the same but worse. That's what politics is now. Yeah, well, in Britain, it's it's like the Tories, but worse somehow oh. every single day. Uh, and, and Europe, like all throughout Europe, it's funny to like you can make fun of Italy all you want, but that's like that's not just that's not just a them problem. Like no. you're seeing this shit all throughout Eastern Europe as well. No, it's 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 always like this this yeah the the way especially now when I think it's like because these people have been hiding in the shadows for so long and now they feel like we could finally come out and shit get run for office again. So we are seeing this like rise of these what would be these fringe movements coming back into power, like, you know, and some places it does work and some places it doesn't, but the places it does work are fucking scary. Like, and Italy's always been a, a fucked up country. I mean, we talk about years of lead. Peter Masonic Lodge, all that stuff. Yeah. One of the uh, funny byproducts from the years of lead is one uh, Silvio Berlusconi oh. starts to uh, rise to prominence in the 70s oh. thanks to the uh, Peter Masonic Lodge. God, every time you which bring... Which he was like an open member of. God, any time you bring up Berlusconi, it's just, oh, which part of Berlusconi? Because you could... that That's a fucking rabbit hole you could go down. That dude... I will give him credit. He was so overt in his lack of like lack of standards. Yeah, is wild because like you can track his rise to prominence. Like as soon as Pasolini dies, like he rises to like I think he started off as like a media baron before getting into politics and is now like at least rotating prime minister. That's he'll be just like he'll be prime minister for like five years, go through some corruption scandal, disappear, then come back. Um, going back to the movie here is that like it really does feel like Pasolini like that's the thing about this movie that's so fucking haunting to me more than the, the violence is the, how little how little everything has changed that there are people like this still in power they just go under different names and different ideologies and you know and I, that's that's the it, it's a it's a very angry film it's probably his it's easily his most like radical film in terms of really like showcasing his worldview of like and the hopelessness of it is like yeah these people will die and nothing will change so yeah you can tell like his whole career has been building up to that like i haven't seen many Pasolini films but you can tell salo is like his grand masterpiece i think he actually planned a whole t he planned because he'd had his trilogy of life and then he planned the trilogy of death which this was the only one that actually got made before he was killed. Uh, I know uh, the film we're going to talk about after this uh, kind of envisions what that second film would have looked like. There's a lot of uh, what-if stories around Pasolini, but, you know, you don't, uh, you don't make the movies he makes without making a few enemies and oh, get into it. But, like, <laughs> you, could tell, you could clearly tell that, like, he had a massive target painted on him for a good chunk of his life oh man and that another thing that is so fun about this movie is if you can uh, go watch the behind the scenes footage of this because when you watch the film you think oh this is harrowing but the behind the scenes footage everyone is laughing and having the fucking time of their life making this movie oh yeah all the uh, behind the scenes stuff is just like they're all happy they're all sitting around tables but as soon as that camera starts rolling around you're gonna see like just some of the 
most disturbing stuff I've oh, ever that... seen. Like, that scene where um, one of the victims gets force-fed nails is like... Oh. The one that gets me is they're just sitting at a table, the guy pushes the girl over and then just takes his pants off and rapes her in front of everybody. That's the scene that really got me, was like... Like, the, just the, the utter, like, bar barbarism and yet, like, how open it was. Like, I can do this and no one's going to stop me. So, you know, let's get going. Like, it's it's chilling. And then, oh, there's just so many scenes in this. Like, the, 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 the circle of blood, the... And I love how that shot. The voyeurism of it is so chilling. Like, because the whole thing's watched from the perspective of those binoculars. Yeah, they're all taking turns watching this just horrific scene. Yeah. I almost gave up there, but I'm glad I didn't because you have that brilliant moment at the end where, um, <gasps> like, two of the remaining fascist militias are like they're dancing together. They just like turn up the radio and start dancing, and that's just how the movie. Oh is. man! And apparently, there were like four different endings that Pasolini had written for this. And that was the, I think that's the best possible one. Cause it's just like, all right, like the, let's drown out the suffering of humanity by just kind of dancing. One of them is talking about like, you know, I can't wait to meet my girlfriend or my wife. Little, little, little do they know that she's in the next room being tortured to death. <laughs> yeah. There's uh there's something very homoerotic as well. Oh, this movie is so homoerotic. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, like, it's like, Every line of dialogue is either some like super villain monologue about how like death is the only freedom, or it's something about butt sex. Oh yeah, <laughs> like all the all the like the, that one guy, the the ginger, the creepy looking ginger, it looks like he just wants. Yeah, the to, uh, the president. He looks like he wants to yeah. fuck everybody, like even his own colleagues. He's like, can we just start fucking right here? Because I am so turned on right now. <laughs> yeah, that scene where um one of the doors is being raped he just pulls his pants down and insists that he uh that he joins in is just <laughs> I, th I think i think it was that scene when i first saw it, when i realized that like oh this is this is the type of movie i'm in for yeah no that and it, I, I do think though in a sick twisted way it is kind of funny because he's making these again this is pasolini just absolutely not giving a fuck and just really ribbing these people like taking the piss out of them because he is making these goddamn faces that, like, the scene is horrifying, but his fucking faces are just so stupid and ridiculous that it's, it's hard not to, like, like, it's hard for me to take it seriously, because he's just doing the... Yeah, very few directors can pull off something as, like, um, there is a fine line between comedy and horror, and Pasolini has always been, like, always towed that line to... Yeah, no, it's just, it, for me, it, like, it, I wouldn't say the movie's funny, but it's so absurdist. Like, there's that also that great yeah. scene where everyone's pretending to be dogs. It's actually one of the more famous scenes in the movie. It's actually on the poster of the original Italian release. Everyone's on leashes. Yeah, there's leashes. a bunch of posters from that. Yeah, yeah, man. I can only imagine what uh, what the Italian reaction to it was when it came out. Horror. When, um, Fucking horror. That would Britain. be... <laughs> Yeah, because I know in Britain the uh, BBFC um, took a very hardline stance of it. It, it classified it as like um, as like a video nasty for some reason. 
like this art house Italian movie is up there of like drill or killer <laughs> or BFC's classification rating. Oh, the video nasties were so like again, and that this is an interesting one because there were people in like the BBFC who were like, this film should be seen as horrifying as it is. It's like I I would love to know how this this played in Italy. I, I imagine it caused people to run out in terror. Yeah, that's, I'm generally surprised uh, the Italian deep state didn't try to get it banned because, like, Italian cinema back then, it was mostly, like, giallos and horror movies, like, Argento movies. You didn't really have films like that. Yeah, no. And the fact that it even came out in the first place is... Uh, it's strange to me. I mean, uh, Italian film is so fascinating, the history of it, because, you know, in between all of your classic, like, Fellinis and all these, like, you have these art house films, and then you have these, like, spaghetti westerns with, like, Leone, and and then you have, like, Euro crime movies, which were the response to, like, the years of lead. So you had, like, just these utterly insane, like, cop movies that, like, really, really were a response to all of the unrest after the years of lead. Yeah, I would still say we're seeing, like, we're still living in the fucking aftermath of Gradio, like, like, you joked about it, but the FBI will just, like, find some nuts and gin them up to go blow something up, and that's essentially just what the years of lead was. Yeah. It was just the CIA finding some neo-Nazis and telling them to go bomb a train station to blame on communists and yeah because yeah. you know to be fair though in in you know they are uh they are learning the hard way that training decades worth of extremists will because <laughs> now the fbi is forced to kind of fight what it created all those years ago in the form of all this domestic terrorism going on in the u.s yeah there's uh there's increasing like there's always diminishing returns of finding like the most rabid people when just writing them a blank check, expecting them to to do your terrorism for you because sooner or later the hand will just they'll start to bite the hand that feeds them like the Nazis did after World War Two. Like like fucking Operation Papercrap America just scoops up a bunch of ex Nazis and sprinkles them around the place hoping they'd fight the uh, the communists and, and that had some successes, like in Italy, uh, Japan, uh, some places in South America, but for the most part, it was just like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> hey, or, or or the most famous example, the Mujahideen. Like, they're still, yeah, yeah. they're still, and I don't think we we will ever see the end of that. I think that will go on, dec like, the end of time, because it's so ingrained and they're so. You know, we saw them just take back fucking Afghanistan after 20 years in a day. So we will not see the end of that anytime soon. No, no, history's a flat circle of, like, the same people that have been around since the 1940s and 70s are just the same people. Like, fucking Berlusconi. I think Berlusconi's in his 80s and he's still just hanging around, you know, he's... He's basically just going to be there until he drops. I imagine he'll go out like, uh, do you know how Michael Winter passed away? <laughs> yeah, that's how I imagine he's going to, uh, that's how I imagine he, I imagine Berlusconi will go out the exact same fucking way. If anyone doesn't know, Michael Winter um, is one, we've talked about him on this show. He is one of the most evil filmmakers who ever lived. And when he found out he was dying of cancer, he held like nonstop sex dinner parties for six months until he died. Yeah, Bellis, I know Bellasconi's recent scandal was like 
he got charged with accosting a 13 year old, which is just some like, you know, he's. Ah, uh, man. Jesus. <laughs> Even in Italy, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah, this, uh, it's, it's again, like, it's just the same people over and over again. Yeah, but, uh, but to, but to wrap this up, uh, get away from all this awful, awful shit, um, uh, I think that Salo, uh, in closing, for at least for this segment, I think Salo is a vile, vile piece of work that must be seen by every human being alive, because there are things you can learn from it that, and, and, and you will learn from it and learn things that you really otherwise would not want to learn about but i think they're important that you know in the world of politics and fascism human beings are just playthings because that that's the ultimate takeaway of the movie yeah it's uh it's always one of those movies but uh i won't say i like it because it's mostly just torture but uh yeah i'd recommend people at least watch it once because it's um it's a very important movie or just in Italian cinema, but cinema in general, like, um, there's a lot of stuff in it that you just, you only hear about in school, like, the history of fascism in, in, uh, in Italy, and, uh, how this, the operating there, just, like, that scene at the start where the, uh, the Nazis are just scooping up people at random and spirit them away with, with stuff that actually happened. You know what? This would make a great double bill with "Come and See." I just realized. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, man, I, I keep forgetting that, but it's just it is one of those things where you just have to, you know, if you think about this too much, you will just go mad because like, we are living in the world where the bad guys from Solo technically won. Like they lost the war, but like, yeah. like. The overall one, like they're still in power, so yeah, and that's uh, and especially in Italy now. Um, and uh, we have the midterms in America coming up, so uh, good luck, my fellow American friends. You're gonna fucking need it. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, fucking DeSantis turns uh, Florida into his own personal cell water treat. Just a bunch of fucking 60-year-old Republicans hanging around torturing fucking uh, yeah. Zoomer migrants all day. <laughs> I, I hate laughing, but after watching Salo, I just have that visual in my head, and it's... it's... it's uh, fucked. <laughs> uh, I really want to see what Trump thinks about this, if he's seen it. Oh! No, Trump is big into... he has movie mindset like we do. And I'm curious to see if you've seen this. I don't imagine that Donald... Well, I mean... There is a dubbed version of Salvo, so... Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, in my, in my, uh, BF, uh, in my BFI Blu-ray, there's uh, subs and dubs, and I have seen both and watching, like, wacky American accents coming out of those, uh, oh. those actors. It's, it's, like a, it's like a dub... Very jarring. It's like a bad dub for a Japanese porno. It's like, this is... <laughs> it's, it's already wrong... But this is now making it even worse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I do recommend to the audience if you are watching this, watch the original Italian version. Yeah. When when dubbing is bad, it's really bad, and this is really bad. Yeah, I've always said this with uh, with uh, with mo some movies is that good movies watch them subbed, uh, bad movies watch them dubbed. Mm. 
Like if, if you're watching some utterly nonsense Shaw Brothers movie, like the the dub actually adds to the the charm of some of those movies. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Rakio, what's that dubbed? Oh man, Pasolini, what's the subtitles? Man, you know what? Pasolini could Pasolini could make Riccio, but could Riccio make Pasolini? Uh, that is the question so. that we must ask ourselves. Let's go. Come on, Billy. Be ahead of Bill. Come on, Bill. No problem, Gino. This guy blows dead dogs. Just lay it in there. Eat shit and die, Ricky. Eat shit and live, Bill. Yeah, Billy. Get a little wet. Come on, Bill.